This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome back to a Champions edition of Green and White, brought to you by Argyle Life. There's not really much else to say except Plymouth Argyle, our League One champions. The greatest team League One has ever seen. Maybe not. We're recording as the club's official end of season awards are taking place. And we'll jump on our own little Argyle Life Awards pod next week. Tonight I'm joined by, well, I've invited everybody that's been on the pod this season. Not many took up the offer, but I'm joined by Argyle Life's finest rabble, uh, Joe Bell. How's things? I, I, re- I resent the term rabble. Okay. Uh, Sam Down. Believe it yet? 
title winners? I believe it. I believe it. I'm delighted to be champions. I'm even more delighted to hear how John's going to get his own back on Joe for that impression of him last week. Very excited for that. As you mentioned, John Alsop, insert witty response here. Evening, Aaron. I know that we did win the title on Sunday, but I think it would be remiss of us to not talk about the disgraceful refereeing performance that we saw from the match officials at Vale Park. There we go. Got my own back on Joe. His, what I will say was a very good impression of me last week. Cardiff University's finest, Finley Allen. How's things? Hello. I'm good, thank you. I hope I got the right uni there and you're not at the like the lesser yeah. known one in the city. Yeah, I am I am actually, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. we'll I'm not it. clever enough. But... And um Lou, how are you? All I'm gonna say is build a statue, Dan Scar with a bucket hat. What an image. That's I think that's the defining image of the celebrations. 3-1 win away at Port Vale. Who wants to take this first? Sam? Uh, yeah, go on then. Um, I, I thought after that first 15 to 20 minutes, I would start to get a bit straight and I was thinking, come on, you know. I know we all enjoyed promotion, but we, we, we've got a title to win as well. It, it was, I just thought it was sloppy. So many touches were a bit over here or, or you know, passes a bit wavered. I thought, you know, it's... It, it, it's a bit like just watching a bunch of lads play over hangover. It was quite painful, but then we just settled Sam, down. Sam described the atmosphere in the away end as toxic after 20 minutes on uh, on Sunday. Oh, it was well, absolutely incredible. To- toxic. Well, people were getting a bit frustrated, weren't they? Toxic was probably a bit no, choice of words, but people where I you were getting a bit, you were getting a bit frustrated. I was getting a little bit frustrated, but but again, what what have I got on all season? They've surprised us, even even in this, when, when, when the main stakes are already done, when it's the, the secondary prize of the title up for grabs. Um, even then, they still surprised us. Even then, when it, it looked quite, quite like it could have been quite a painful afternoon, we, we then turned it round. Um, we settled. We started to play good football. We started to get... I, I think even... I, I was with John at the game. I think even before we scored, I said, you know, this last five ten are looking a lot better, aren't they? And I think we both agreed on that. And then very shortly after I said that, we got our equaliser. Then very shortly we got our, our winner, and then the rest was never in doubt. Really, from that point on, we were very, very much convincing, very much in control. Excellent performance. Um, two great assists from Callum Wright. Um, to quote what a mate of mine sent to me on Facebook Messenger after the game, Jack Grealish wears Callum Wright pajamas. Um, and and hearing hearing the news coming in from across the across the ground made it a lot more relaxing end than I thought it would be because if it still if Ipswich had been winning, we would have still been. Very much on edge, thinking, oh, you know, we've still got to see the lead out. But knowing that Ipswich weren't, was, was added that little bit of reassurance that we were singing Champions with 20 minutes to go. And, yeah, fair play to Ipswich for, for running us so close and for putting in such a great season. As every pundit agrees, they the are by far and away, they, they are by far and away the best team in League One history to ever be runners up. So, credit to them for that. <laughs> John. Obviously, when we were one nil down, how were the nerves? Obviously, I was stood right next to you, so I know exactly how you uh, reacted and how you felt. But talk us through it. One nil down, our Grimsby moment. Yeah, I, I didn't like massively care on Sunday. I have to say, like for me, as I said all season, 
you know, just going up was a phenomenal achievement. Obviously, I wanted to win the title and it was a phenomenal, phenomenal feeling when it happened. But my attitude was very much whatever happens on Sunday happens. I wasn't in sort of Sam mode of nervously twitching at every misplaced pass. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say I had any nerves at all, honestly. Um, but, but yeah, great to come back in the way we did. I think, as Sam mentioned, you know, it was hangover ball for the first 15 or so minutes, Joe Edwards, like, you know, with the finest hungover football performance I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> trained on balls, couldn't pick out a two-yard pass. But then, of course, you know, steams into the box like a freight train to slam home, um, you know, what pretty much proved to be the decisive goal in winning us the league, which I think just sort of typifies his spirit even after, uh, you know, several nights out on the Barbican singing with the supporters and a few, um, you know, non-alcoholic fizzy drinks, I'm sure. Um no, it was a very it was a very professional performance. Once again, you know, after those after those kind of initial uh, sloppy errors got out of the way, we scored two outstanding goals, as Sam alluded to. Um, the second, I think, really just obviously we scored better goals this season in terms of pure screamers, but for a team goal, I thought that was a very very fine one. Fantastic run from Mumba, wonderful awareness from Callum Wright. Obviously, poor defending from their point of view to just let the ball kind of trundle across the box, but. Edwards running in at the back post and gambling and with a great finish. And from there, yeah, I think as Sam said, I, I for one, was not particularly nervous about us getting it over the line. My favourite player, Finazaz, put away a lovely... Uh, no, no sarcasm there, by the way. I, he actually is my favourite player um, in Argyle shirt this season, as, as regular listeners will know. But, you know, great, great finish from him, kind of rolling back the months with a, a, a you know, a peach of a shot into the top corner. Um, and then, yeah, of course, we had the, the Port Vale consolation goal, in injury time, um, which the entire ground celebrated, including the people on the match day stereo and the people on our our social media channels, even though it was very clearly given a foul (laughs) the minute the minute the ball hit the back of the net. uh, Yeah, and everyone else seemed to know that it hadn't actually gone in. So that was a that was a strange moment that was somewhat overshadowed by the stakes of the occasion, but uh, kind of deserves to go down a little bit in our golf folklore as a very bizarre ghost goal. and then, yeah, the final whistle blew. No one invaded the pitch. It was all great. Great stuff. Um, and thoroughly deserved. And and I think actually, you know, is without wishing to sound bitter, nice that Ipswich didn't win on the final day um, in the sense that it really padded out the kind of lead that we accrued over them in the end to just a couple more points that makes it look just a little bit more special what we did, right? And obviously means that they didn't get 100 points. We did. Um I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, it also means that our record in the last 10 games of the season is better than theirs um, because we lost one game in 10, dropping three points, and they drew, I believe, two of their last 10 games, dropping four points in the process. So, you know, all of the, even all of the sort of hyperbolic media takes about how perfect, to use a word that a certain uh, national TV channel used to describe their end of the season yesterday. Uh, yeah, even even for all those hyperbolic media takes about the end of the season, let alone the rest of it, actually our end of the season was better than theirs. Um, when you when you look at it from a pure points accumulated perspective, so that still that still can't be right, John, because they scored a hundred goals. Yeah, and to be fair, you know, have you seen their goal difference, Aaron? Yeah, yeah, very goal meaningful stats. Champions. Uh, of course, as we all know, um, you know, points accumulated is a meaningless statistic that um, just happens to be the metric by which the football authorities have arbitrarily decided who is the best team and who isn't over the course of a season. So uh, obviously, you know, we've, we've not won in all of the other actual categories that actually mean things. So I don't really know what we're doing on this podcast, to be honest. Um, and I would like to congratulate Ipswich Town on their XG title. 
um, which has thoroughly deserved over the course of the season and really just disappointing that we couldn't get it over the line on, on Sunday with, with that one. But um, so Sam sincerely actually probably thinks that as well, so I shouldn't take the piss too much. Um, uh, I'm not going to bite at all to that, I'm afraid. Um, but yes, no, a great day. Uh, my favourite Argyle away day ever by a long, long chalk. We'll live long in the memory. Just almost surreal scenes, incredible limbs. I think when Edward's goal went in, the sort of sheer decibel level of the noise was extraordinary. I was getting pulled left and right. Even the Randall one before that, I didn't even notice it hit the back. I didn't even know it had gone in because everyone was just screaming and jumping around. I didn't even see the ball cross the line uh, before some probably Aaron had jumped across my line of sight. Um, yeah, great stuff. I'll stop rambling now. Now, I was going to say that's got to be just the finest day, the finest day following this club. And I was going to ask everybody where this ranked in their Argyle history, but that's a stupid question, really, isn't it? Joe, anything to add? Not really. Um, I think two lads say I've covered it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> They've covered it perfectly. Um, I thought I thought the game turned on Jordan Houghton receiving treatment, actually. Um, Houghton went down to get a bit of treatment. Schumacher called them all to one side, essentially told them to stop hanging out of their rear ends and to stop trying to play the game at 180 miles an hour. Um, and we knocked it around for two, three minutes and bang, we were we were back in the game. Um, and from that moment on, really, I mean, there was yet again, for God knows how many times this season we've done this, there was a 15-minute spell in that game where we just blew Port Vale away. And we have done it to so many teams this year. It is one of the best characteristics of this side that we can just for 15 minutes, just completely brush a team to one side. Um, I thought the second goal was outstanding. From the move from the back, Mumba's carrying of the ball, the weight of the pass to Callum Wright, the fact that Ennis, whether or not he takes the man out in the middle or at six or one half a dozen of the others irrelevant, but Edwards, as John refers to, runs in on it like a freight train. Um, passing the Wayne train to hammer it into the the back of the net. Um, it was just superb. And obviously, as we touched on last week, I was at home park watching the game. I wasn't fortunate enough in the end to, even though I am a season ticket holder, to get to to Port Vale. Um, but it was even some atmosphere at home park watching the game. Um, when Argyle TV actually decided to work, um, and just. It, it encapsulates what this season's been, really. Um, it. I spoke to somebody today and I said to them, I can't remember a side that has had such a connection with the city like this, probably since Sturrock's second promotion side that Williamson finished the job with. There's such a connection between the fans and these players and they've given us so many memories this year, so many good days and... What a way to finish it off. The perfect way to finish it off, because as John says, we thoroughly deserve the three points. There was nothing lucky about it. We completely dominated the game. And at no point in that second half did I sit there and think we're in trouble. And that was the best feeling about Sunday. Um, Obviously, I, I wasn't at the game. I didn't manage to even go to Home Park. But, so I was just watching it uh, in my flat. However, I still said today, and I believe it, that... Joe Edwards' goal is up there with my favourite Argyle goals ever. Because it's just, it just, 
he just epitomises everything that this team's about. Um, as we've talked in many a time, he does um, himself. And it's just, it was just like pure elation. Like, we are so good that we've managed to get 101 points in this incredibly difficult division. And I think in about four or five years' time, we're going to be looking back on this and thinking, I mean, we are now, but, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. We're going to be looking back and going, that was an incredible, incredible achievement. Um, and I don't think, I hope we do, but I don't think we will ever, I don't think, I'll be lucky to, I mean, obviously, um, I know Sam has been lucky to see two other teams finish on 100 points. But if I see that again in my lifetime, I'll be surprised. So, you know, you just got to take it as it goes. And it was, as it goes, it was incredible, incredible. Fantastic day. I mean, uh, no, I've sort of lost for words, really, and I was at the time. I was just, I think I was just sat there in awe. Um, I'm not sure if anyone's mentioned it yet, but credit to Port Vale as well. They they sort of helped with the day. Made it, I think they, 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 you know, it was a good game. I think good game for the neutrals as well. Um, but also sort of a, it was a touch of class afterwards. You know, the whole the words from the chairman. They all stuck, stuck, you know, stuck around to to sort of watch. Um, you know, lots of applause on their end, and um, and the guard of honor as well. It was, it was, it was sort of a very classy touch. And even before and after the game, you know, we were talking to to their fans, and um, they seemed generally quite pleased for us. I mean, they, we were literally driving out, driving, driving past on the way out, and they were all sort of like giving it, you know, lots of cheers, lots of claps on the way out. So, um, yeah, really good day. Um, and I think I'm more like more with John. I uh. I uh, I did I wasn't super concerned. It was going to be a good day the way I think. So I've never had two more contrasting experiences in two trips to the same stadium. By the way, as Vale Park, where I attended in twenty, I want to say fourteen for the FA Cup. Sam Sam's magic. Yeah, memory. 20, 2014. Will put me right if I'm wrong. So twenty fourteen, we drew two two uh, with um, Purrington scoring the equaliser. I believe after we've been two 0 down under John Sheridan and in the FA Cup and Gurrieri at the post in the last minute. It's a great game. Uh, and anyway, we were, in, we were in the league below Port Vale at the time, I believe. No rivalry between the clubs. And yet on the way out of the ground, team uh, fans coach back to Plymouth, which I was on, got pelted by home supporters with, with you know, s- stuff. Um, never That's experienced funny. anything like it. It was insane. Um, and yet, yeah, no, on Sunday it was like, the nicest experience I've ever had in an away game. And obviously the circumstances dictated that to a large degree. But yeah, like as Louis said, without wishing to go all kind of Twitter meme applause emoji about it, incredibly classy touch from them. Not only to like put on the sort of celebrations for us at the end, which you would expect them to do as a kind of bare minimum. And like, you know, obviously we have done that in the past for Newcastle. You'd like to think if the roles were reversed, we'd have done it for them as well. And, you know, to at least the extent of, letting us celebrate the trophy and putting on We Are The Champions and whatever. But loads of their actual fans stayed to watch the trophy presentation and clapped warmly while it was being handed out. I mean, like, I don't know if I would have stayed in, in my seat to watch you know, them win it in an equivalent scenario. Um, yeah, you know, the, the club owner, I think, came on the microphone and was genuinely very effusive and warm. You know, a, a lot of the club management came over and sort of gave a round of applause to our fans. Just a really nice, yeah, really nice atmosphere. And I think, uh, you know, as, as one of um, our friends pointed out to me and Stan afterwards, I, I don't have like, a ton of evidence for this necessarily, but I don't think it's an accident that the Vale fans are congratulating us on going up because I think we are 
a positive hope story for every team in this league that is not, you know, the evil empire, right? Like, we have actually managed to pierce the big money bubble at the top of this league that's increasingly sucking the competition out of it by, obviously, by no means being the poorest or or, or least resource club in the league, but by being well-run, sensible, um, making kind of modest signings, lots of loanies. I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to say that, apparently. But, you know, having players on loan who play for us. Um, Yeah, we've shown that, you know, Maybe a stretch to say anyone in this league can do it, but but it can be done, right? It, it, you, you can go up from this league, and you can not only go up but win the title. Not being not being able to win Sheffield Wednesday, um, you know, whoever one of the big boys. So I, I don't think it's an accident that you know other fans of, of let's say smaller clubs in the league should be happy that we did it over Ipswich. Um, also, just that I, mean, I saw some Fleetwood fans chanting Argyle at Ipswich on on Saturday, which could just be you know standard shit housery, but. Um, I don't know. They get the sense that we, you know, maybe actually what we've achieved is quite popular with with fans of certain other clubs. Um, which is, yeah, it's nice to see. And either way, whatever motivated it, it was it was great stuff from Port Vale on on Sunday. So fair play to them. Is it that Scott Brown just hates blue so much that he fired the, his Fleetwood <laughs> side and their fans up, and he was like, "I'm not having a team in blue lift that title. It's got to be blue." Really I think it says a lot about us, right? Genuinely, that. Like the only teams he's dropped points to, in terms of in in both games he's played, is 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 Lincoln and and Fleetwood. You know they're incredibly difficult teams to to break down, and they've got some really good results against teams at the top of the bit the division uh, this this season. So, um, I think you know that Fleetwood Fleetwood and Lincoln are 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 good sides, and and to be honest with you, they're the I mean, obviously, teams have given us challenges in games, but we've we've we thoroughly deserved, you know, for all of the all deflection FC or loan FC, we thoroughly deserved those those points that we um, have collected this season. And you're ultimately you're going to get some luck, um, particularly when you play well. You seem to get more luck, but um, yeah, I don't think it's any coincidence that those are the only two sides that we haven't picked any ma- maximum points up. Against this season, because we, yeah, we we've, we've we I think we've we've deserved we've deserved to win pretty much most games that we've played this season. I actually said on the train up to someone, I don't think Ipswich have a guaranteed three points today. You know, um, everyone was sort of talking as if we had to win to win the league because they were guaranteed to win. But yeah, as Joe, as um, Finn says, sorry, Fleetwood. Very bloody-minded side, obviously did very well to take um, four points of us this season, one of the only teams to do that. Um, did not think that was going to be a gimme for Ipswich, who, if, if anyone hasn't guessed by now, I do not think are anywhere nearly as good as the all of the pundit class seem to have surmised. Um, and, and I mean that like in the present tense as well as over the course of the season. Very good, yes, of course, but but they're not this sort of super invincible, amazing side. And, yeah, and apparently Fleetwood dominated portions of that game against them and, and fully deserved a point, which I was not massively surprised about, to be honest. 27 points won from losing positions this season. Is that the best comeback of them all? No. All right. I mean, there were two against Derby, for starters. Yeah, but they didn't win. Yeah. yeah they, they did in a way, though, because it was three points you wouldn't otherwise have got, so... Uh, yeah, look, of course it was great, but like did he, the most important thing w- w- was promotion being on the line. I think 2-0 down away to Derby, who had, I think, before that game had maximum points at home. 
was a completely extraordinary comeback, and I think that's the best one. The Shrewsbury one as well, with how much it meant. Yeah, Ipswich. Ipswich away, come to think of it, yeah. Morecambe away. Yeah, that's what I was Yeah, say. that's a huge that one as well. Down, yeah. Yeah. That was straight after Bolton at Wembley, where everyone was on a slight downer because of how bad we were that day. City at home as well. There wasn't yeah, a lot of just, jeopardy. I was just going to... Really, I was I mean, just going to throw. I was just going to throw in mild peril ratings. The the rating for this one was mild peril. If you're doing like a, a DVD listing, I reckon you know I one. Think we just about mentioned all of them now, apart apart from Shrewsbury home. So Shrewsbury and Derby. Not only did we do the double over, but we did the double over them from behind in both games. Which to do the double over two teams from behind in the same seasons is it's, it's a very rare feat, surely. And Argyle now the the second team to ever get 100 points more than once. Uh, Fulham did it in the late 90s. Um, Argyle done it, obviously, in 02 from the fourth tier. And today from the... Uh, well, today, um, last week, sorry, from the uh, third tier. Uh, and, and another good little stat, if any of you follow me on Twitter, you might have seen it, but just to, to emphasise it as well. Really cool little coincidental stat. Before this season, the highest ever points total by a runner-up was Luton in 2002 with 97 points behind Plymouth Argyle. Now the highest ever point still to buy a runner-up, Ipswich with 98 behind Plymouth Argyle. So it clearly seems to be obviously purely coincidence that both times that we've hit the 100-point barrier, normally, if you hit the 100-point barrier, you absolutely cruise to the title. Both of those seasons, funny enough, we didn't because it just happened to be coincided with incredibly good seasons by a runner-up, which is kind of mad, really. I kind of feel a bit cheap, but I kind of want the season where we get 100 points and we've won the league by Easter. But uh, maybe that's too much to ask for. We might do that next season. Yeah, that would be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'd love that. Joe, what was your what was your comeback? You were trying to chuck one in there. Yeah, uh, Lou mentioned it, the Exeter game at home. Um, twice we came from behind that night um, with all the connotations and pressure that comes with a Exeter game on telly, full house, derby. Um, Everything thrown in. I thought that was a, a pretty special, special evening under the lights. You've all forgotten the best one. Wimbledon at home. <laughs> Super <laughs> Sam Holgrove. Super Sammy Cosgrove getting a hat-trick against his former side to send us to a game against Bristol. I don't know. Who knows? Um, yeah, to, send us, to send us to the glamorous Memorial Stadium. Somewhere... Never it was played. such an irrelevant. It was such an irrelevant competition. You can't even remember it. Look, moving. On. Oh no, I'm pretty sure it was that. Sam definitely remembers. Sam. Yeah, the knockout rounds were Charlton, which was also a comeback from behind. Wimbledon, which was a comeback to then draw and win on penalties. Rovers, which we won two 0 and then Cheltenham, which was also a comeback from behind to draw and win on penalties. So even in the Czech trade, we we went behind three out of our four knockout stage matches before then. What? The pizza cup, yes, indeed. Not the checker trade, my bad. In the pizza cup, that's like 2.136 points for a comeback win as well, I think. So, uh, yeah, we have to add those on to the tally. We've Hang on a minute. Right, we've won the league. We've got 101 points, and yet this buggering competition still gets a mention. <laughs> Move it on, Aaron, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> to move it on, Joe. Um... No, what will be the worst thing about next season and why will it be not getting to participate in the Papa John's trophy? (laughs) 
what would be the worst thing about next season? A Friday night under the lights against Millwall. That would be the worst thing about next season. I was absolutely buzzing that Millwall didn't make the playoffs and then remembered we got promoted and have to go there. Relatively local game to me. I'm excited. They'll be clipping this now. They'll be after you next season. Good luck. My girlfriend has said it's the uh, worst husky hot chocolate they have on their shirts. It's one of the worst things she's ever tasted. So they'll be after us as well now. Perhaps John doesn't want to repeat his other anecdote about to get visiting Millwall. No, <laughs> no, he's not very family friendly. <laughs> not, not, sort of, not sort of family show. <laughs> Let's call time on the first half, jump into an ad break and join you again soon. How's that, Joe? Is that more professional? That's better. And now a message from our sponsors, Husky Hot Chocolate. <laughs> Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing. But rest assured, you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Moving on. To, I've basically run out of questions, so moving on to some of the Twitter questions. But before we get there, do we have any favourite title celebration highlights? Do we have the best luxury yacht partner in the whole 92? Hard to see, wasn't it? It is a bit of a shame that it was such a horrendous game weather-wise on Monday, isn't it? But I suppose this season went so perfectly that it had to be one at least slightly bittersweet moment. And if, if that's as bad as it got, the weather not being great for our parade and I think that we'll take that as being the about the end of the season I guess um, I, have uh, to yeah, say, I, I have to say whoever, whoever's idea it was to make a bunch of like visibly nauseated hungover 20 something men plus Stephen Schumacher traips onto a boat in choppy waters in the like thick <laughs> fog at you know 6.30 in the morning or whatever time it was on on, uh, on, a, on a Monday is um had a good sense of humour, to be fair. <laughs> it was it was about it was about eleven thirty, but yes, it was still very funny. Um, exaggeration, yeah, 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 that was quite an exaggeration. Anyway, um, as, as I was saying, um, I think my, my favourite bit is definitely uh, somebody who may or may not be the Argyle captain singing "No Time for It" switch um, on the club coach when when we are the champions is being played. I think that that was just brilliant. Tell you what, I, I never really realised until all the tweets and comments from loads of different players, Houghton, Scar, Edwards, the official club account. I never really realised how how big a driving factor beating Ipswich to the title clearly was to them. Because all of them said it in quite a veiled or not so veiled way in some cases. I, I probably didn't know any need to worry about winning the title because there was no way we were going to let Ipswich beat us to it. It was clearly such a big Motivating no, factor. Sam, it was Ipswich. It was, it, was, it was Ipswich, not Vale, that we were fighting. But yeah, you know what I mean. Like there was no way that there was no way that we were going to let our guard down for for more than about fifteen twenty minutes in that game because we it was clearly a big big desire to to beat them to it. You know, so um, 
I'm obviously delighted that we did, and I'm delighted about the celebrations that came from it. Um, yeah, I think I think I've, I've kind of set Oklahoma would be at risk of sort of repeating last week, just the, you know the hyperbole about what an extraordinary, extraordinary. Um, <laughs> yes, it was on purpose. Well done. Um, well done for catching it. About what an extraordinary, extraordinary um, team and season this has been. I think I said it at full time, the most extraordinary season we've ever had, possibly the most extraordinary season we will ever have to be a fan, only ever to be beaten, I think, if we were to ever get promoted to the Premier League. That would, that would almost certainly beat it. But until and unless that happens, I think that that could be as good as it gets. Just perfect. Couldn't have been any better. If we if um, we go up and need a new centre-back, do you reckon we have any chance of signing uh, Willie Bollet from Nottingham Forest? He's a player I very much admire. <laughs> very funny. Um, a, a special mention to a certain member of this podcast. He managed to get uh, Ballymember is uh, give Ballymember your flag. That was very good. The Norwich Green's flag did get um, quite a few bites on social media. Um, and I gained an awful lot. Also, of in the Norwich also in the process, followers. this individual managed to crash a photo full of children. With Schumacher, which is excellent. You take it, the, 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 this that. individual also went, went in the car back to Norwich, may have stopped at a service station and some Richard fans and paid. We are the champions out of the window, might they? <laughs> I think um, the the French fraction of the Norwich Greens takes most of the, uh, the plaudits for that one. But, uh, play. Um, my favourite my favorite part of the services was... Um, Moment. It was more of you had to be there, but I think, um, <laughs> yeah, brilliant, lovely KFC. Did you get gravy with your KFC? Of course. Yeah, that's right. But, um, um, basically, definitely cut this out. But my, if you think I'm cutting that out, that's top quality content. <laughs> no, because it's it's possibly defamatory. It's possibly defamatory. That's poor. I think we've taken a bit of a caveat. I think I'd rather talk about the pizza cup. Joe, you wanted you wanted some Twitter questions, so this one's coming to you. E seven trippy. Uh, how heavy do you reckon the trophy is? You wanted the Twitter questions. Here you go. Yeah, Simon Hallett revealed on board a princess yacht that it felt lighter when he was carrying it across the Port Vale pitch than what it did yes uh, yesterday morning when they were boarding the boats. Um, so because of physics guess... about the weight of things at land and sea it's to do, actually to do with gravity either that or I can only guess it was the copious amounts of alcohol that were probably drunk from within the trophy on Sunday in the changing room uh, how heavy the trophy is I don't know but I'd like us to keep finding out how heavy these trophies are because it's one hell of a feeling I can imagine it's heavier than the one that uh, Ipswich got anyway um Alex Sykes asks, if you assess the levels at which the players celebrated at the final whistle as a sign of their commitment to the club, how worried should we be about Tyreek Wright, who stood back on his own throughout? Um, uh, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one, I think. <laughs> Joe, Joe wanted the Twitter questions. Are they, are, they, are, are, they asking, are they asking whether we should be worried about his morale? Yeah. Uh no, it's a team game, and unfortunately, he hasn't made the team this season. Like, you know, uh, I would imagine it's got something to do with the fact that perhaps he doesn't feel like he's contributed as much as other members of the team, and he was more than happy to stand back and let them have their moment and take it all in. Mind you, Adam Parks, wasn't it? Okay, good on Adam Parks. Yeah, we love Adam Parks. 
Uh, Michael asks, and I think I'll give this one to John. Michael asks, what do you think of Sky giving us barely any coverage again? Uh, I, I don't actually know what this is referring to because I don't really watch Sky. Um, so, I have, yeah, I have to take this person's word for it. Um, I don't know. I think I think we obviously sort of flogged this horse to death and, and I won't necessarily go massively into it again. I, I mean, we've received quite a lot of media plaudits in the last week. Um, in fairness, since we since we sealed promotion against Burton, lots of stories in national newspapers and the like. I think what you know, obviously, where it becomes a legitimate grievance against the opinion of some people who feel we are getting our due is it was all very condescending compared to the coverage Ipswich got of being the greatest team ever, despite the fact they aren't, um, and despite the fact that we were ahead of them. Um, but yeah, um, lots lots of things I think have played into over the course of the season. Um, I think there definitely has across the sort of football media space definitely been more erasure of or sort of you know downgrading of our achievements compared to other clubs that are up there um but you know let's focus on the positives i think schumacher's got some amazing coverage in the past week which he fully fully deserves kind of hoping that no one's reading it who might happen to be you know whose name might happen to rhyme with kill ben wright um uh, you know or uh um had for Shiri. Um but or anyone else for that matter who who might have any input into a sort of upper end championship or lower end Premier League club. Um you know I think I think we've had individuals with whom I may or may not have clashed um on a certain uh centralized social media platform in the recent past saying that our achievement was nothing short of miraculous um after suggesting last week we wouldn't win the league because the players were too pissed. Uh, so, uh, that was nice. No, I think, I think, I don't know, I can't really speak to the Sky points again, I never really watch it, but we've had some good plaudits in the last week. Um, and, yeah. I think, as I said earlier, getting that little three-point cushion over Ipswich right there at the end sort of does remind everyone who was kind of Ipswich obsessed that it wasn't just a case of them completely hunting us down pound for pound until the very end, you know. They actually slipped up in the end before we did when it comes to the very last few games of the season. So yeah, that was that was nice. Whilst whilst we're on that, it's actually I don't want to make this a, an Ipswich heavy pod, but it's amazing to hear that um, several people in the media seem to think Ipswich are going to go straight up and finish in and around the Championship playoffs. It's yeah, I mean. Sutherland has shown that you can go up not as the top team in this league and do very well in the Championship, right? If you're a big club with big resources and you're sort of on an upward trajectory. Um, you know, that wishing to be a party pooper, I would at the moment expect them to finish above us next season, certainly, um, based on, you know, resources. Um, I, you know, obviously we'll have to have this conversation cl- much closer to the time because I think recruitment is going to be way more determinative for us than for them. But, um, you know, I, I think anything above the bottom three places in the league, uh, uh, you know, as things currently stand would be a, another miraculous achievement next season. Um, the way things are, you know, th- just in terms of like the sheer size of resources at our disposal compared to other clubs. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say, you know, it's a completely foolish prediction to suggest that Ipswich could be in and around the, you know, the pro- the, the playoff places, sorry, in the championship. But I think the suggestion they're going to be right up there and really, really challenging in a league that is likely to have two of, or let's say just three of actually Southampton, Forest. Leicester, Leeds, Everton, right? I mean, you know, not guaranteed any of those to go straight back up, but they're all clubs that are going to come down from the Premier League with huge resources. Um, and that's before you get on 
to you know the West Broms, Norwiches, Watfords that are already in the championship and had disappointing campaigns this time, but we'll be looking to do a lot better next time. I think we saw this season, you know, you can actually not be a very good championship side, cough Preston North End and challenge for the playoffs in a pretty serious way till pretty much the end of the se- end of the season. So I wouldn't discount the Ipswich could be in that kind of tier and that kind of pack, but I think if anything more is meant by it than that, i.e. that they'll be right up there. I find that I, I'm, you know, I'm very skeptical of that at this moment in time. Again, with the caveat that it's way too early to say, of course, but um, yeah, I don't. I, I wouldn't anticipate necessarily there'll be in a relegation fight, which I think we might be. But um, but you know, that's next season. I would also touch on the fact that um, I was thinking about this the other day that Jim McKenna is in his first managerial job. Since being part of um, Solskjaer's um, Man United um, backroom staff, who obviously, you know, if he with uh, and but he, his staff got quite a lot of criticism for um, doing, I think, a half decent job of not a very good Man United side. And you know, I don't want to make this about Man United, but the, the spotlight is on a team like Man United, so people are going to think of, oh, Kieran McKenna, ex Man United coach, you know, obviously had some promise, so. Maybe the 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 press are more likely to focus on a on a big name than Stephen Schumacher. But I think you know if he if Stephen Schumacher carries on this um, trajectory that they're having, then certainly he will he will be talked about. And I mean he is in certain you know particularly between us as as one of the brightest young prospects uh, managerially in the country. But you know if he if he keeps us up next season, um, then he certainly will he certainly will be you know. I think I have more attention on him. In the space of what's this five pods, we've gone from talking about Forest Green Rovers to Manchester United. So something's going right. <laughs> um, Lee Smith adds uh, thoughts uh, just how unbelievable this team is and the achievement of winning the league, one of the most remarkable achievements ever in EFL history. And his question is. Is this the foundation of potentially being the best opportunity we've ever had to play top flight football in the future? Lou? You'd think with the um, the work going on behind the scenes that, yeah, I'd probably agree. Um, it's nice to see that Simon Hallett's getting a lot of a lot of praise um, in relation to the promotion. I know it's a lot to, mostly to do with what's going on on the pitch and what, what Schumacher's been doing, but... There's definitely the right move being made behind the scenes, certainly from a business sense, and I think also from a from in order to get the right product going on the pitch, um, providing the recruitment is right this year, um, and providing Schumacher doesn't get an offer from a certain Merseyside Merseyside based club, um, I don't see why um, we wouldn't be in a good position to to start challenging at some point in the future. I think. First things first. Let's let's consolidate. Let's let's stay in the division. Um, but I don't see why we can't build on that later down the line. Um, but it's all going to be based on what happens this uh, this uh, sort of preseason. I think. I I'm inclined to risk disagreeing and say that the best chance we had. Well, I guess it's difficult, isn't it? Because it depends on what sort of time frame you set for this question, and you could get bought out by squillionaire investors next week for all we know but I feel like maybe we had a better chance last time we were in the championship when we actually did have a very competitive side you know pushing up towards the playoffs for a couple of seasons in a row there in the sort of mid 2000s and 
yeah, I think the league has changed a lot. Football has changed a lot. Money talks a lot, you know, even louder now than it did back then. And I just think that the club in its current form is unlikely to be as competitive in as durable a way compared to the other sorts of teams we'll be competing with than that sort of Holloway era team was. Which, you know, don't get me wrong, still punching above their weight at the time and obviously still ultimately didn't manage to get in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think maybe maybe that was a team that had a bit more of an open path just because the league felt a bit more democratic. Um but that's not to say we can't do it, and, and it's certainly not to complain about anything more than the way football as a, as a sport is currently structured in this country. Um, I would like to jump in and say that, oh, sorry, I completely agree with all that John just said. And I think last time was a better chance. But I would add the caveat that if it's going to happen at, with anyone, it's going to happen with Schumacher at the helm. Because, yes, absolutely by rights of budget, squad strength, we probably should be bottom three next season, maybe at a real push fight and stay up. But on budget, squad strength and all those metrics this season, we should have been up in mid-table probably. So if anyone can just get us, if anyone can get us 5, 10, 15 positions above where we should be, it's Schumacher. And I think we probably will be in a fight to stay up next year. But but maybe we won't be. Maybe we'll be mid-table or even higher. And if that is going to happen under, if that extraordinary achievement is going to happen under anyone, it's going to happen with, with, with Schumacher. I, because I think he is that good that he can just for all his tactical masterclass, man management and all that kind of thing, that he can just lift teams that far above the level. So I think in a way, no, because of like John said, the, the financial imbalance. But in a way, yes, because I think Schumacher is more uniquely talented than any manager we had of that era. Even Holloway, for all he did at Blackpool, I think Schumacher just is even better. And ultimately, you know... Whether I'm right or wrong, and whatever happens next, I'd rather do it this way than the way we did it before, which turned out to ultimately be built on the foundation of sand. Right? Um, you know, like doing it in a way where the club is sustainable, run as a proper business. You know, clearly anchored in in the community. Um, yeah, has had that has had that experience of what can happen when you when you lose everything before and is desperate not to repeat it. Is 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 you know a better way of doing it than a sugar rush and which is not to say that's what happened the entire time last time obviously it was a complicated picture but um i guess that speaks to the kind of building towards part of the of the question right like in that sense yeah we, we this, this definitely could be a platform to build from if we can avoid going down next season and establish ourselves as a championship club then in the you know medium to long term with the right investment absolutely i don't see i don't see why we can't inching can't keep inching towards that i, I think what i said before about that you know the previous championship era team having a better shot was more in the kind of short to medium term rather than on the longer side of it. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I heard someone say you know L- L- Luton could be a model for us. Yes, um, I would say they, that. they've come up through the leagues in a sort of comparably, if not even more so, meteoric way to us in recent years, and have obviously established themselves as a club that's punching way above its weight in the championship. Finished third this season, which is an extraordinary achievement, despite having a, a bang average manager. Pausing for Sam to nibble on that. No, okay. That um, <laughs> number one, Rob Edwards, stand Sam down. Uh, uh, cutting out there, but um, 
yeah, uh, you know, obviously have done extraordinary well, could still go up in the playoffs. That that sort of thing is not is not beyond us. You know, I don't I don't want to imply that it's completely beyond us. I just think it's in terms of probability. I think that Holloway era side had a bit of a better chance of going up. Rather, you know, all, th- all other things being equal, than what I can foresee of us in the next couple of years. But God, I would love to be wrong. I think lots of people would look at the likes of Bournemouth and go, "Well, we maybe can match them." But I think people seem to forget that they were literally backed by a Russian oligarch. I'm pretty sure um, on their way to to promotion to the Premier League. But I would 100% agree. If there's one team we can look at as a bit of hope in terms of, you know. If if all things go well in about five in about in about ten years time and we've established ourselves as a, as a solid championship club, then uh, Luton is the model we can follow because, um, you know they have basically gone from non-league to, um, the the top end of the the playoffs in the championship, and have a very realistic chance of getting promoted. So, um, yes, I agree they'd be the team that we'd look at more so than. A Bournemouth or a, or a Brighton who have actually been backed quite substantially financially. It doesn't take away from what they've done because it's still a fantastic job to be up where they are. But yeah, we don't quite have those finances at the moment. I suppose I'll just quickly throw just quickly on that final point on that. The only fly in the would be if these new American investors that Hallett's brought in, who are now who now own uh, Happy or Tel Aviv as well, if they're prepared to become majority shareholders or even full shareholders, maybe, who knows, they might do what Tony Bloom's done at Brighton, they might do what the um the Russian fellow did at Bournemouth and they might just throw some money into the playing side. Whether that would be fitting of Hallett's philosophy of sustainability is another question, but there is always a chance that they may choose to do that. And if this is the case, in that scenario we absolutely could could get into the Premier League because if they throw money at it and we can outspend other teams then then yeah, who knows? But that anyway, sorry, go go. I was just just going to follow up on your point on Schumacher. Um, Mike asks, how delighted is Joe that Everton now look likely to stay up given the recent pod linking Stephen Schumacher to Goodison Park? I still haven't got over that. I still haven't got over the fact that we got promotion last week and all everyone wanted to talk about was who was going to replace our current manager um, when another club seemingly were going to come in and sweep and take him. Um, Yeah, it's... look. Whether Everton stay up or not, I don't know. But um, I'm not having this chat either now that we've just won the title and we're going to talk about Schumacher joining another club. I'm not going to have it. Ask that question again in a few months' time. Well, you never know. Leeds might go down. They've just appointed Sam Allardyce. They might want to transition back to the BL to the type. So give it to Stephen Schumacher, I say. John Sheridan can go to Leeds. But club legend. Mike Cooper is one player of the year, by the way. I think we're not allowed to talk about this because we have our own awards podcast. Other other awards will be available. Yeah, I mean, this, is, this is this is more of a warm up warm up for the coveted Argyle Life Player of the Season award sponsored by Argyle Life. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Cooper can have this one. In which I'll actually write a running order and some questions, and it won't be a slapstick. Yeah, it'd be good. Be good to have some awards to actually you know dole out, wouldn't it? Uh, Jack Leslie asks, Shuey's shagging Centurions. <laughs> the 11 players that are out of contract, uh, who are we offering deals to? They've got a feeling that the retain list might be rather brutal. I'm I'm glad someone's asked this question because um, I'd like to know who the players out of contract are because I can't seem to find anything anywhere of who's out of contract and who isn't. So 
based on screens on screen and, and various other reports when it was announced, I, I understand it to be James Bolton, James Wilson, Dan Scar, Brendan Galloway, Adam Parks, um, Jordan Houghton. Little bit of confusion about that one. You might you might have an extension board, possibly Houghton. Um, Danny Mayer and Conor Grant, those two are definite because they signed two year deals two years ago. And Niall Ennis and Ryan Hardy and Luke Jeffcott, uh, and obviously Crass, Law and Purcell. We I've already had it all confirmed. Those three are all going. Clearly, somebody was listening to Finn on the podcast last week uh, about Finley Crask. Uh, <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> and um, yeah, but but you know, to those three young lads, particularly inject, it's must be pretty heartbreaking for them having got so close, got the pro deal, but never quite made it. So hopefully, they all go on to have you know good careers in in the upper reaches of semi pro and maybe even pro football. You know, yeah, and to Ryan Law, to Ryan Law. Well, We'll always remember that goal at Birmingham, whatever else happened. Um, so, yeah, um, that's, that's, that's completely off on the tangent. But no, obviously, those three are already confirmed to be going. So, a little word for them. And the others I mentioned are the ones who are out of contract. After my slightly harsh assessment of Finley Crask um, last week, um, I will say not deliberately again. But um, the he has done quite well on, on loan at Truro this season, I believe. So... Yes, there's a very possible um, avenue there for him, I guess. What was the original question again, Aaron? Sorry. Um, who are we offering deals to? Like We've got the uh, strings to the purse. Um, Jack reckons that he's got a feeling that the retained list might be rather brutal. Six six of that 11 that Sam mentioned for me. Wilson, Scott, Wilson, Scar, Houghton, Mayer, Ennis and Hardy. I would probably not keep Houghton. I would keep Wilson, Scar, Ennis and Hardy. And I think I would probably let go of the other seven. Somebody made a decent point the other day that we might offer Jeff Cotter a contract just on the basis he's number 24. They have one anyone signs him. We get a fee for him because he's number 24. But then the, the then in the nice possible way, the risk of doing that is if he actually accepts the contract, then, 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 he's, then he's tied to us, isn't he? So who knows? I, I think we might offer Jeff Cotter a contract just on the basis that like, it might enable us to get a bit of money for him, but that aside, um, I can't see that he has a future here, unfortunately for him. But um, yeah, possibly him uh, for the basis of that. Other than that, Wilson, Star, uh, Hardy, and Ennis. I would say. Oh, I'm, I'm there. I'm sorry, Danny Mayer. Yeah. Of course, to me. I was, um, was going yeah. to say. I think it's worth noting that I think all of us would probably like to keep Mayer. However, there's very strong rumours that he may not be coming back, which is a yeah, shame. That- that's, um, that, 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 yeah, I think I think it's pretty much guaranteed. I, I would offer him one because I think he's my he's one of my players and it's possibly my player of the season. Just because, even though his goal in the fifth list is quite short, he we just have got a, a so much better record when he's playing. He carries the ball up the pitch and he's really come crucial in the big matches yet. Like like Lou said, game impact. Um, I think he, he's actually my possibly slightly hipster, possibly slightly contrarian vote player of the season. But there we have it. The the issue the issue you've got with Messers, Bolton, Galloway, and Grant, just to name those three off the bat, is that we all know that there are very talented footballers there, but the journey we're now going on over the next twelve months, we can't have any passengers. We're gonna need a squad who are gonna be able to rely upon every week. And as much as I think they're three very talented footballers. And I like all three of them, 
I've been a fully paid up member of the Connor Grant fan club since day one. Um, but it's gut wrenching to say that we're going to have to be ruthless with players like that because we are going to need everyone available as often as they can. And we cannot take injury prone players forward. However, all three of them touch wood will be able to go away and have bloody good careers, at least at league one level. Um, because I think all three are very, very capable players at, at the level that we are departing from. Uh, to, to throw a grenade into this conversation, does anyone, and I'm looking at Lou here, particularly think there might be a case for not offering a contract to James Wilson? I can see why I can see it, it, it is it is an interesting question. I think there's been points this year where you know I may have criticized him. However, I have always said from the beginning I'd like to see him play more in the middle. Um so I'd be willing I'd be I'll be happy to give him a contract to, to sort of play maybe back up in the middle. Um if we are going to be signing Scar as well. And um I do think it probably probably does help with the experience that he's got as well. Um Certainly when you've got him and you've got Edwards, having them two in the side, I think it does, I think it does help. And even just having them at the club is probably is probably useful for the rest of the players. Um I'm pretty sure James Wilson won me back around purely with that assist for the for the uh, Ennis goal. So um I'd give him a contract just for that, to be honest. I think um there's there's a balance to be struck, isn't there, that's quite a delicate one between to what extent do you not want to disrupt the team harmony from this season? Obviously, you know, he's captured lightning in a bottle and the, the morale and understanding and togetherness seem to be absolutely phenomenal. How, how do you sort of weigh that as an advantage against the brutality of what it's going to take to compete in the championship next season? Because there are some names among those listed, including people I think we will definitely offer new contracts to, although I don't want to be churlish enough to name names, you know, in this joyous end of season podcast necessarily. I think each one would maybe be a bit contentious. But, but there are names that who I, I think personally will struggle next season. Um you know, to be to be consistently good enough for what you need for the championship. And then I guess but then I guess the other question but that is you know, what do those players cost versus what would potential replacements cost in terms of money and wages? I, I think there's this quite a delicate balancing act to be had here and it probably doesn't just come down to, you know, in an ideal world, who would we have in our squad and who and who wouldn't be. Um, so I guess on that basis, I'd probably lean to a little bit more towards having thought about it, not upsetting the apple cart of what's been a very successful season and at least offering terms to, you know, all, all of the players apart from the ones Joe mentioned who unfortunately just I think because they can't stay fit we just can't take the risk of having them on our wage bill um, but you have to be realistic with it don't you, you have there to are a few in there who let's just say if they don't end up staying at the football club I'm not going to be revising our my prediction for next season violently downwards overnight you know how much of the, ret- the retention list d- depends on how we plan to play next season because I I can't see us going up and trying to play with about five with wing backs that high up the pitch in championship football. But you I can if you think about it as I well. Can see not, try, I can see us trying and taking a couple of five nil poundings in the first weeks of the you, season. You're not gonna have you're not gonna have well, very, very, very likely not gonna have Mumba, um, who's a very attacking player on that left side. You've got Joe Edwards who is more of a defensive player on the right-hand side. You can always ask him to sort of 
sit in a bit deeper, if you bring in a more sort of slightly defensive-minded left-sided player, obviously you're still going to play a similar sort of style, but you can sort of, from what I from what I can from what I can see, bring it to a more defensive sort of style, sit a bit deeper when you need to, and sort of go more on the counter attack. Um, as I said, I, it, for me, I'm hesitant to, to, to sort of say whether we're going to be able to go and sign lots and lots of players this year. Um, I would love to. I don't know if it's going to be something we'll be able to do. And I would err on the side of caution and offer contracts to the majority of the players that we've got just because I don't know who we're going to be able to bring in. Um, it might be a case that the players that we've had this year that have done quite well for us, um, maybe we bring in players to challenge for those positions. Um, and maybe it ends up that some of the, some of the players that have sort of been in and around the team, maybe they, they do sort of end up being sort of not um, replacements, but sort of backup sort of players for us. Um, for me, it's, it's a weird one because obviously we, we're going to put the retain list out, um, but it's all very dependent on what we do um, in with the free agents and in the transfer market. So, Aaron, just very quickly on the point you just made there about how you don't think we're going to be able to go up to the championship and play with the three centre halves and the attacking wing backs. We very much will. This this is the identity that's got us to the championship. They're not going to rip it up just because we might have one season in the championship. They live it's it's going to be a live by the sword, die by the sword mentality, and I am all for it. That being said, though, I think that there have been tactical adjustments, maybe not like of formation so much as like within formation, which players are selected for which games, etc. Um, you know, Schumacher said after Barnsley away, right, we may have to go and start approaching these away games with a bit more solidity and a bit more, a bit less of a gung-ho approach. Since then, we've won every single game away from home. I'm not saying that there won't be like, you know, I made a flippant comment a moment ago about taking some heavy defeats with a, a three at the back system. We we could, could very much continue to do that and just sort of slightly change the personnel around a bit, slightly change the emphasis and be a bit tighter. I, I struggled to see us going up and playing as gung-ho as we have at times this season, because I think we've already stopped being that gung-ho um, in, in these last few weeks of the season um, to some extent. And yeah, I think that will, that, mentality switch will have to continue next season but it, it doesn't necessarily herald a, a change in formation so maybe we're all a little bit right here to have a nice kumbaya moment yeah the way the way i see it you know we've had some beatings this season from peterborough charlton grimsby you know it's not always been the best side that we've come up against and we've we've gone a bit too should we say heavy on the attacking front and, and you know, been caught out of the back and we can't be doing that every week in the championship because um, Ipswich fans would be right. We'd be straight back down. All right, then. We'll call that a night. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers, all. Cheers, Aaron. Much, See, you Aaron. Next. See you next week. We are black tie ready for the uh, award ceremony. Can I wear my Argyle tie? Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Dress, is, it, is, it, is it black tie on the invite? See what the dress code is on the invite. All right, Aaron Aaron always gets invites to the Argyle Awards ceremony, so he'll be able to tell us. He'll be able to fill us in, yeah. Yeah, great dig. See you guys. All right. See you later. See you all. All right. Yes. With that brings a close to another Green and White pod brought to you by Argyle Life. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, like on Facebook and keep up to date with all things Argyle by checking out www.argyle.life. 
As always, with all listens, old and new, we really appreciate if you could leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you found us. Every rating helps us beat that algorithm. See you next week. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.